Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We were looking at three things, and I think this is becoming a lot more relevant to us. And I believe this is something that we will be able to walk in, deliverance from these things, and literally... You know, the Bible says that men's hearts in these days, this, this time in which we're living in, this, we can say it like this, the end of the age, uh, this season, uh, this generation, amen, and we could get real specific with it, the end times, last of the last days, which is literally uh, something that they've called all of these days, even way back 2,000 years ago after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know, they, they had the same expectancy that we should have. They thought he was coming back any time. I mean, literally, Paul had to correct the Corinthian church because a lot of people were saying, well, he's already come back. Because when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, many of the Judaizers taught that as being the tribulation period, Jacob's troubles. Well, we know that, that, that the gospel has gone out, and we know by several of the illustrations that Jesus gave us that there would be a 2,000-year period in which the church would exist and prosper upon the earth, then there would be a 1,000 year millennial reign of Jesus upon the earth. We are ending that 2,000 year period right now. We're coming to the end of that. One of the, one of the great parables he gave that illustrate that was the, uh, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Bible says when the Good Samaritan, when he picked up that man who was half dead, a picture of, the, uh, of mankind, half dead, being separated from God. Uh, when, he, when, he, when he brought him to the inn, which is a type of the church, he gave him enough for two days. Everybody say two days. Peter said, a day is with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is with a day. So we know that that illustration of the, of the, of the good Samaritan, Jesus was giving us a timetable. He was saying there's going to be a 2,000 year period in which the church will be upon the earth. They will be exercising the authority that redemption grants them and then there will be a millennial reign of a thousand years and that will end God's interaction with the earth as it is. Then the earth will be burned up and God will create a new heaven and a new earth and how glorious will that be? And in the midst of that, because you're a part of the church, God will use you, the Bible says God will use us to reveal the manifold wisdom of God throughout the expanses of the universe and the ages of time. Now your mind, your mind can't get a hold of that. That's just, that's just glorious. Amen? But in the meantime, the oppression of our adversary has risen to levels on the earth that I believe are even exceeding that of the world wars that we've had, many of the other things that have threatened the earth, the entire earth as a, as a particular unit, uh, you know, such as nuclear war, the Cold War, things like that. I believe what's going on right now is putting more oppression upon the earth than anything that's ever happened because it's not just a couple of nations mad at each other. It's not just, you know, a few people on the earth going through something. The entire earth right now, now think about this, the entire earth right now is suffering under the same trauma. That is absolutely amazing. You say, well, well how can you even equate that to, the, to, to like World War II? Well, there were a lot of places in World War II where there wasn't active combat. 
There wasn't active combat in Canada, the United States, Mexico, Central and South America. There wasn't active combat. Actually, the active combat of World War I was right there in, in, in Central Europe, in France, and Luxembourg, Belgium, Germany, and a little bit into Russia, and then down into the Middle East. And then World War II was basic, basically two what they called theaters, uh, the European theater and then the, the Pacific theater. Other than that, it didn't affect the whole world. Amen? I mean, I know the war itself is young men had to go off and people's lives were disrupted. But as far as the entire world being under the bondage of the exact same thing, we are. Now, you can, you can say, well, you know, uh, the coronavirus, they had a flu back in 1914 uh, through 1918. You know, these things just naturally occur upon the earth. Listen, what's going on on the earth today is not the coronavirus. Let me say that again. It's not the coronavirus. It's the reaction to and the manipulation of it that is being used against the nations of the world. And literally it is. You'd have to be blind not to see it. It is the Antichrist system that is rising up, trying to strengthen itself, but it's finding resistance in the church. Because the church is the entity on the earth that can restrain its activity. It knows that, so what's it going to do? It's not going to go out and attack all of the, the people of the earth that could care less about God, the drunkards, people that live you know, terrible lifestyles, people that are greedy for money. He's going to come against the church. He's going to try to put great pressure trying to shut down the resistance upon the church, which means it is a time, it is a season, which we have to rise up. God's given illustrations all throughout the Bible. I gave some statistics, I think, Sunday and last Wednesday about how, how people have just, they just have quit going to church. They've just quit. I mean, 19, uh, excuse me, yeah, it's 1980. 60% of every person that claimed to be a Christian went to church on a regular basis. They, they determined in the survey that I looked at a regular basis was at least three Sundays and two Wednesday nights. At least three Sundays and two Wednesday nights they considered a regular churchgoer. Now, in 1980, there was what? There was 60% of everybody that, con that confessed to be a Christian went to church. In the year 2000, that was all the way down to 18%. And they did a survey in 2018, it's 14%. That means out of every 100 people that call themselves a Christian, only 14 of them go to church. You say, why? Oppression, pressure. I won't deal with that kind of stuff. Do you love the Lord? Yeah, you say, sure I am. You go to church? No, I ain't going to church. Put up with all that stuff? People asking me for money? Somebody want me to work in the nursery? Are you kidding me? Amen? I mean, that, that, that apathy and complacency is a unique characteristic of the end times. It's called apostasy is exactly what it is. And it is a spirit and it gets upon people. But in the midst of that, God will find a remnant to use, that will exercise authority, that will speak his word, that will do what God, and they will overcome everything the enemy throws at them. One of the greatest illustrations of that in the Bible is Gideon's army. Gideon started out with a church of over 30,000 people, got a 30,000 member church. Glory to God! And with one sermon, it was cut from 30,000 to 10,000. One sermon. Amen? One sermon cut the church from 30,000 to 10,000. Well, at least I got 10,000 left. Yeah. Amen? And then one church picnic cut it from 10,000 to 300. He said, what do you mean one church picnic? Well, they went down to the river and said, everybody can have a drink. 
And God said, now everybody that laps water like a dog, you picked them up. But everybody, see, the, the, the illustration of the way they drank water is they were drinking water for themselves, but they were watching. They were watching. See, everybody else was just trying to drink water. Amen. So you're living in a unique time. And you being at church on a Wednesday makes you a very unique person. And it also puts a great big old round target on your back. And which the enemy says, I don't like that person. I really, I don't like everybody on the earth. Number one, I don't like people, period. But there are some people I can tolerate, and those are the ones that serve me. Even if they're, not, if they, even if they're serving me unknown. But there's a group of people I really don't like. That's that 14% right in there. I've got to work on them. I've got to work on that, and I've got to oppress them. I've got to press down upon them, trying to get them to do what? He wants you to quit. He wants you. Listen, he knows he can't stop you from going to heaven. He don't want you taking nobody with him. And that's the mandate for the church in the last days, to take everybody we can take with us. Amen? Now, let's read the scripture in Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to read it. In the King James and the Amplified, and I'm going to read it in my Passion Bible. Because I really liked, I, read, I did that last week, I really liked the way it reads. Uh, in reference to wisdom, everybody say wisdom. Actually, back up to verse 18. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding he hath established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up or divided, and the clouds drop down the dew or the rain. Look at those three words. Wisdom understanding and knowledge. Now, wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is the information. Wisdom is the ability to correctly apply the information. Are you with me? Now, understanding is the ability to, for you to step aside and not allow your mind to question what you're doing. You say, what do you mean by that? Praying in tongues is a good illustration. You pray in the Holy Ghost, you pray in tongues, your mind says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm just praying in spirit, praying. Well, why are you doing it? Well, well, the Bible says, what does the Bible say? I mean, literally the enemy will torment your mind and try to oppress you with everything that faith dictates. Listen, what faith dictates, grace has already appropriated. And your righteousness gives you the right to walk in faith to appropriate it. But you're not going to get an explanation about how everything operates, everything works, something that intellectually pleases you to the point where you can say that. Oh, that makes sense. Because it ain't going to make sense. Because you're operating spiritual laws and you're stuck in a human body with a human mind that has to be renewed by the Word because it's fallen. Your flesh is fallen. Your mind is fallen. The Bible says the carnal mind is God's enemy. So you've got to make a decision. I need the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God I need, the, I need the what to do, the how to to do it, and the ability not to question the other two. Did you get that? I need the what to do, the how to do it, and the ability not to question the what to and the how to to do. Amen? Now, then verse 21. My son, let them not depart from thee. Them. Who's the them? It's the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep sound wisdom and discretion. What is discretion? The ability to make the right choice. Amen? I mean, if you're flying up on a light and it changes from, from green to yellow and you're still 100 yards away, you need to use some discretion. 
especially if I'm the one coming the other way. <laughs> Amen. That doesn't mean put foot on accelerator and go. Miss Leah. <laughs> you ought to see that look. Woo! I'm going to walk over here. <laughs> Amen. Life takes some discretion. You've got to make some correct choices and you make them by the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding of God. That will help you make right choices. Right choices keep you out of trouble. Right choices, listen, right choices are so preventative. Why recover from self-inflicted wounds when God puts wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding in the Word to keep you from hurting yourself? So many people don't understand that. They just don't walk in it. Thank God we do. Amen. It says, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shall thy walk in thy way safely. That's going to keep you safe. Everybody say safe. If you ever need to walk safely, it's in this day and hour. Amen. And thy foot shall not stumble. That means you're not going to fall. Then uh, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Fear is not going to overtake you. Yea, thou shalt lay down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. There is sleep, and there is sweet sleep. Amen. I was in an old duck camp one time. And I, I, after laying on the bed, the, the guy who was the head of the outfitters, he's a friend of mine, he came walking. I said, man, where'd you get these beds? At some death camp over in Germany? <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I, I rolled and tossed and turned. It felt like there was, a, there was a, 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 some kind of board across my back. I, it was terrible. There's nothing worse than disturbed sleep. <laughs> we were in Nicaragua one time, me and Roland and my brother Alan. So, I, you know, I always like to initiate the young missionaries. So I took a big old rock and put it in Alan's bed. Right about the middle of his back. So he's in there, you know. So I walked in there the next morning. He says, I'll tell you what, these people have the sorriest beds I've ever seen in my life. I'll tell you, they're just sorry. I said, what happened? He said, well, I had to sleep with my head in the middle of the bed and my feet on the floor. <laughs> I said, well, maybe that rock in your back. <laughs> oh, man, you're wrong, man. Well, everybody like sweet sleep. Everybody say, sweet sleep. It's undisturbed. It's not, you don't have to take a big old handful of pills and you know all that. No, sweet sleep. That's, did you know that's a promise in the Bible? Did you know sleep is a good, restful sleep is a promise from your God to you? You got to fight to get it. Amen. Just like everything else. When thou liest down, uh, thou shalt not be afraid. Thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid, now notice this, of what? Sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Now you've got to understand, church, this is the day in which you're going to have to decide to serve God and let God be your confidence. You're not going to get any confidence from being a Democrat, any confidence from being a Republican, any confidence from being an American, any confidence from being a Texan, any confidence from living in Galveston, Texas. You're going to have to draw your confidence from your God. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? That's the only thing you're going to be able to be sure of. 
in these days. Well, God's got me. Aren't you afraid? Aren't you panicked? This group got in. That group got in. This group's controlling. That group. No, no. My confidence isn't in any of them. My confidence is in my God. Well, there's this disease, and there's this, and there's that. No, my confidence is in my God. My, well, what if you get to the disease? Well, my confidence is in my God. It says, by his stripes, I'm healed. Well, we'll look at the economic. We're fixing to have such an economic downturn or an economic upswing. Or this is going to, or that's going to. What are you going to do? God's going to be my confidence. The Bible says, which I believe, David, a great king from Israel, said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or it's seen begging. Oh, man. Let me, I'm not teaching on faith. You know, I teach on faith plenty, but I've got to give this to you. If you're going to live in these days, you're going to have to reject, get rid of, segregate, divorce every thought that comes into your mind that does not paint a picture of God's victory in your life. Amen. Right now, especially in America, people's imaginations are so overly stimulated. And literally what we're talking about is, is in manifestation a greater manifestation of this is going on than coronavirus. You say, what do you mean? More people are infected by it. Amen? So, let me read the Amplified. Let me find it here. It says, My son, let them not escape, speaking of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, from your sight, but keep sound and godly wisdom and discretion, and they will be life to your inner self and a gracious ornament around your neck your outer, your, let me find here. Where did my Bible go? You got it up there? And a gracious ornament to your neck, your outer self. Huh, scripture just disappeared on me. Put the next one up. Then you will walk in your way securely and in confident trust. You shall not dash your foot or stumble. Keep going. When you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Yes, you shall lie down. Your sleep shall be sweet. Keep going. Be not afraid of sudden terror and panic, nor of the stormy blast or storm and ruin of the wicked when it comes, for you will be guiltless. Now notice, the, the, the sudden terror and panic. That's what creates panic. Is a sudden alteration in the negative. Now, we picked out these three last week. Panic, everybody say panic. Continued panic leads to anxiety. I mean, one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. You, you see it a lot in people that go off to war. Because I'm telling you, you fight a war, you fight in sudden panic. There's, there's, you know, attack over here, attack over there. You're sleeping in your barracks. There's an attack that happens. There's always panic going on in warfare, in battle, in combat. Amen? So panic, everybody say panic. You get enough panic in your life, it leads to anxiety. In, 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 in soldiers, we call it post-traumatic stress. They have post-traumatic stress issues in their life. 
Amen. I've actually prayed with men that have been in combat, been uh, uh, Vietnam veterans and Gulf War veterans and prayed with them because they had so much anxiety in their life. And, you know, uh, people try to, you know, the, the, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, they try to do what they can. They give them all these drugs. And that just kind of dumbs them down. And the suicide rate among our soldiers is off the charts. We've prayed for them for years here at Island Church and bound that spirit of suicide. Anxiety will open the door for thoughts of self-destruction. People, people suffer with it all the time. And listen, that is a spirit. That is a spirit trying to tempt you to end your own life. Amen. Don't do it. Don't yield to it. Don't yield to it. Then the, the, the panic and the anxiety always lead to anger because anger is literally the band-aid over that. And in our nation, what do we have right now? What do we have in our nation right now? A bunch of panicking people full of anxiety. And all you got to do is listen to them. They're mad as they can be. Amen. So I went and studied some of the, some of the definitions. Panic is a sudden overpowering of fright and unreasoning terror. Now, remember last year when I read this? I thought this was so weird. Because you get all these root words, different words, you know, you get the root of them, they'd be Greek or they'd be Aramaic that have to do with, you know, with the word of God, things like this. But this is from, the, the root of the word panic comes from a god with a little g in Greek mythology called Pan, P-A-N. And, and if you go study Pan, please don't do it because it's, it's just, I, I actually wrote it out and I wrote it my own, my own way. He is the weird half goat, half man Whose, whose nature was wild and, it, and, and literally it involves sexual pleasure. Remember he plays a little flute? All the maids follow him. That's wicked! You'd be surprised how much that stuff is wicked. Amen? But his, his demeanor was to hide and then jump out and surprise you. And you have this immediate reaction. There's a goat man standing there. Wouldn't you? I mean, that wouldn't work in Texas today. Somebody just, you know, they'd, they'd quick draw him real quick. And <laughs> he'd have four 357 holes in him for something. Hey, that was a goat, man. I mean, wonder if we can eat the bottom half, you know. <laughs> Only in Texas. Anxiety. Apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness over impending or anticipated doom. There is a medical definition. An abnormal, overwhelming sense of fear with physical, system, physical symptoms that include uh, sweating, a quick uh, uh, heart rate being increased. Then it goes on. A doubt, now listen to this. A doubt concerning the reality of a threat and one's self-doubt when it comes to dealing with that threat. I don't know what's coming and I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. What am I going to do? Amen. Anger, a strong feeling of displeasure and antagonism, the opposing or the opposition of a conflicting force, a tendency or principle actively expressed through opposition. Anger is always an opposing force. Amen. It is a sudden rush of negative emotion. Years ago, when Lee and I used to study, we had to study anger for a little while for 
Leah's sake. No, was it my sake? I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't get angry. But when Leah used to fly off the handle at me, I used to say, ah, another sudden rush of emotion. Remember those days? <laughs> be sweet. Panic must be confronted. Anxiety must be challenged. Anger must be removed. You must get over it. Amen. Now, real quick, how's my time? Go, go if you will. Go to, go to Matthew. I like this. Go to Matthew. Matthew's a great book written to Jewish believers. I've got mine marked over here. I like it in the, in the uh, Passion Bible. Matthew, go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Is this helping anybody tonight? Now listen. You may say, well, Pastor, I'm not really angry about anything. I don't really have any anxiety. You know, I'm really not panicking. But these things, listen, there are things coming down the road that, that have the potential. to. I mean, you wake up in the morning, turn on the TV, and it's like, oh, my God, what's going on now? I mean, you can't let that get to you. You can't let that become a part of who you are. You're a believer. You're in Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the earth. And you're going to have to, not listen, not only as a church, but as an individual, you're going to have to rise up. You're going to have to stand up in the midst of all of this, not with some, you know, political agenda. You're going to have to stand up as God's children in the earth, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Now more than ever. The demand is getting greater and greater, greater and greater. The demand's greater right now uh, than it would. I mean, I'd say a hundred to a thousand fold greater is the demand on us now than it was at this time last year. I mean, it's amazing what's going on. And let me just say this. Don't get caught up with the spirit of apathy and complacency because that's another side to this. Just saying, well, it doesn't matter what I do. You know? Yes, it does matter what you do, especially for you. Isn't that right? Well, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if I go to church. It doesn't matter if I pray. It doesn't matter if I tithe. Yes, it does. For you, it does. For you, it does. Amen? Now listen, in Matthew chapter 11. Let me read it here first in the King James. Come unto me, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everybody say rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Everybody say souls. That's not the word pneuma. Amen. The word pneuma is Greek for spirit. He's not talking about a rest in your spirit. You want to study rest in your spirit? Go over to Hebrews chapter 4. It talks about the rest that faith produces. This is talking about something that eases your soul. Your soul is the, your mind the way you think, your emotions the way you feel, and your will, willpower, the choices that you make. Now, the enemy makes, wants you making the wrong choices, thinking the wrong thing, and feeling the wrong way. Amen? I mean, I, in the last three or four weeks, I've had several negative emotions try to get on me. You say, how do you know they're negative emotions? You can feel it. 
You can feel, you think, what is this? That has to be resisted. I said, that has to be resisted, not welcome. Learning to live with anxiety in your soul because there's panic all around you is literally going to mastate into a, to, to a really an unnatural anger. Now listen, there's an anger out there. You walk up here and just stomp on my foot. I'm going to knock you upside your head in anger. Did you know that? You do the same thing. That's not we're ta- what we're talking about. We're talking about something that has, and I don't like using this word, but it's, 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 it, it fits, something that has evolved from an incident of panic that has created anxiety that has put this force in your life. And Jesus says this, listen, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. There wasn't anybody in the ministry when he said this. There wasn't anybody on the mission field when he said this. There were a bunch of Jewish people under the oppression of the nation of Rome. They had, they, you talk about panic. You walk to work every day past a hundred crosses on each side of the road. Watching your neighbors up on that cross die. Let me tell you, Jesus dying on the cross wasn't some isolated incident. incident. They, they literally, coming into Rome at one time, they had a hundred miles of Jewish people hanging on crosses. They slaughtered people. They took everything you had. They raped the women. They stole the money. They did everything they did as an army of conquest and an army of occupation. And every time you walk by a Roman soldier that had that Roman sword that was very unique to them, you panic because that guy could take it out and chop you to pieces and nobody would say nothing about it. Nothing about it. So there was constant panic. And then here comes this guy, Jesus. And not only is he causing, not only is he causing some panic himself in the Roman government because they're thinking, is this really the Jewish king? Is this the one that... And he started causing panic amongst the religious people. They were afraid they were going to lose their monopoly to control the people. So there were people around him, especially his disciples, who I guarantee you had some anxiety on the inside of them. They had some panic that had been in their life for many years. And Jesus said to them, just like he says to us, number one, Come unto me. How do you come unto Jesus? Number one, he is the word. Was the word and forever will be the word. Every time you crack that Bible, every time you punch that button on that iPad and the word of God comes up, you are coming to Jesus. Now listen. Oh, Lord, how can I say that, Lord? You have to let the Bible be something more than literature. Let me say that again. You have to let the Bible become something more than literature. You have to let it be what it is in reality. It is Him. He is the Word, was the Word, forever will be the Word. And every time you approach that Word, you're coming to Jesus. So you're going to have to discipline yourself. You're going to have to start coming to Jesus every day. You get anxious. I, I like to say it like this. If you ever really get panicked and anxious. You ought to just go spend some time reading the Psalms and then rehearsing and worshiping God with those Psalms. Oh, thank you, Father. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Oh, He restores my soul, my mind, my emotions, my choices. Thank you. I guarantee you, 
That's coming to Jesus. Because the Word of God carries inherent in it the same power as the Lord Jesus walked in when He was upon the earth. It has the ability to make itself come into existence according to the faith that you carry in your heart. That's why faith is so important. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your mind, rest unto your feelings, your emotions, and rest unto the choices you make. For my yoke is easy, my burdens light. Let me read in the Amplified. Verse 20, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your soul. Did you get that? You can read it like this. When I go to the Word of God, when I embrace the Bible, for what it really is, not a piece of spiritual literature, but it is Christ. It is Him. He is the Word. He will ease and relieve me and refresh my mind and refresh my emotions and refresh my ability to make right choices. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest. I like this. Rest, relief, ease, refreshment, recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. I like that he put the word recreation in there. I don't want to go hunting mad, fishing mad, surfing mad. I go out there to have a good time. Amen? For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, Hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, pleasant. My burden is light and easy to be borne. Now, he's not talking about life. Because I've heard this preached before. If you're not living like this, if you have burdens, if everything's away. No, he's talking about your relationship with him and the fruit of that relationship countering what's going on because you're having to live in this world. We need this now more than ever. Let me read it in my, let me read it in my, uh, my Passion Bible. Are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden? Come to me and I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. Oh, glory to God. I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways. You will discover that I am gentle and humble. I am easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasurable and easy to bear. The world's not going to give you that. He's talking about the difference between bearing the burden. See, he's talking to these guys who had suffered all the panic, all the trauma, all the anger. I tell you, you talk about angry, that was, that was Barabbas. 
He jumped up there and just whacked some guy's head off. Was in prison for murder and insurrection. He was fixing to be hung on one of those crosses. And Jesus stepped in there and took his place. They didn't make that happen. He let every, Jesus let everything happen to him that happened. He let it happen out of his love for you and I. And what he is saying is this. He says, you have two choices. He's telling Jesus, I could see him looking in the eyes of his 12 disciples and seeing the anxiety, seeing the panic, seeing the anger. Because many of them, even after he was risen from the dead, were questioning. We know it from the book of Acts. When are you going to restore the kingdom? When are we going to get this Roman oppression off us? Jesus was saying, you don't even know what this is all about. I came to the earth. I did signs, wonders, and miracles. I was born of a virgin. I, I, I was crucified on a cross. I rose from the dead. I'm standing in front of you right now, and you had not got a clue what went on. The Bible says then he opened the eyes of their understanding that they might understand the scripture. And listen, when they were in the upper room, all they knew was this. We're supposed to go to Jerusalem and wait. That's all they knew. And God poured out the Spirit of God upon them, and the church was birthed through individuals that were inhabited by the Spirit of God and empowered by the Spirit of God. And they begin to shake the known world. They said of the Apostle Paul, he's the one that shakes the cities and the nations of the earth. That's what the Amplified says about him. And listen, if you study his life, he was shipwrecked, he was beat with rods, he was stoned, he was stoned three different times we know of. He's actually raised from the dead from one stoning in Lystra. He was, he was, he was for, uh, a night and a day in the ocean. He, he, he went to build a fire uh, there on Malta and a snake bit him on the hand. Well, a poisonous snake and they thought he was supposed to die. He ended up in prison. He ended up in the worst prison in Rome down on the bottom floor where he lived on a grate over the sewer of Rome. And he penned all of these wonderful books. Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy. He penned Hebrews. He penned all these beautiful books. You know why? Because that scripture right there that we just read was relevant to his life. Everything going on around him was panic, anxiety, and anger. But in him was what? The calm, inward peace. This is what the enemy is trying to rob the church of right now is peace. Peace takes care of the anger problem. Peace takes care of the anxiety. Listen, peace, peace, peace takes care of the panic. Peace takes care of it all. And literally what the enemy is trying to do is to steal the peace. Who oh, this one got elected. Or that one got elected. Oh, you got the COVID. Oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. And they're just, they got the, their foot down on the accelerator trying to do everything they can do to steal your peace. Peace doesn't mean that everything going on around you is okay. Peace means that everything going on inside you is okay. And Jesus wants to give us the peace that passes all understanding. Amen? Amen. Lift up your hands. Father, we worship you tonight. Father, I pray over the people that are seated in your church tonight. Now bind panic, anxiety, and anger in their lives. And I thank you that this night, Lord, you've given us wisdom, you've given us knowledge, you've given us understanding. And Father, I pray over every one of us that we will not sit passively by as panic and anxiety and anger try to visit our lives. We will not do that. We will engage. 
We will come unto you. We will walk in authority. We will rejoice and have joy that you've counted us faithful to live in these perilous times. And Father, we'll work with one hand in the vineyard of God and believe you for revival, awakening, and harvest. And Lord, we will watch the eastern sky for the day in which you will appear and call your church to heaven to be your own. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you that the devil is defeated. Jesus is Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, praise God. Stand on your feet. Father, thank you tonight. for The good word of God, its ability to work in our lives. Thank you, not just a listening mind, but a hearing heart. is open for the good planting of the good seed of God's word. Lord, as we leave tonight, as is our custom, we declare the protection and safety afforded us by your word. Psalms 91 declares, and we believe it and receive it and walk in it. Then no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, we declare as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are the protected of God. As we handle the resource that you've given us, in our jobs, in our businesses, our students, our teachers, every one of us, everywhere. We de declare blessing. We declare increase. We declare refreshing. We declare rest and sweet sleep. In Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that you said your burden is easy and your yoke is light. Therefore, we declare we abide under that shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance. Let us not hide our lights under a bushel, especially as the darkness gathers. Let us be the proclaimers and demonstrators of the life and light of God everywhere we go, everything we do. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Shout it out. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.